0: everybody, welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to the show, the show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So, what are we talking about tonight? Uh, tonight, we are talking about my favorite cards from Throne of Eldraine that are more geared towards standard more than anything. Um, I am going to be doing another episode more based on Throne of Eldraine cards that I really like for EDH, but today we're mainly talking about Standard, because that is one of the big formats that I like playing a lot of, especially on Magic Arena. Um, before we get into it, uh, let's get a little ad out of the way. Uh, this show is brought to you by LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com is the best place to buy Magic singles and sealed product available out there. Uh MTG... <clears throat> Because I can all talk, right? Uh, LegitMTG.com, uh, if you... Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. You think I know that by heart, my now? but, you know, it happens. Uh, you forget things. And the older you get, the more um, you realize how much you forget. You know, the other day, like, I was looking at my little beard hair So, just so everybody knows, I can't grow a full beard, and I'm lucky if my... Mustache here. I mean, for everybody who's listening, can't really see it, but my mustache can never connect to my beard. I can't even get a goatee. Um, Basically, what happens is I just get like patches of stuff, like patches of hair along my face, and I'll I'll never be able to grow a beard, and that makes me sad because I would love to have a beard, not like you know really bushy, but more well kept and you know nice and smooth like and not i I wouldn't want it long but just nice enough to where it's like damn i look good um but yeah that's never gonna happen but um where was i even going with this oh yeah so i was looking at like my hairs and i've noticed i'm starting to grow some white and gray hairs and it makes me a little bit sad Um, i'm already getting gray hairs on top of my head and i don't like it I don't like it. I'd rather lose my hair than go gray, but, you know, it happens. That's life. That's life. Um, Yeah, legit, legit LegitMTG.com. Be sure to check it out. So, as I said before, this episode is going to be mainly about talking about Throne of Eldraine and my favorite cards for standard. Uh, I was originally... I know I was trying to do set reviews. I did set reviews of guilds in Ravnica Allegiance, but they just take a lot of time with very little payback or it takes a lot of effort with very little reward and it's just a lot of editing to do and with how busy my job is becoming more and more and more especially next year I really got to try to plan ahead what I'm going to be doing for this show next year because I know I'm going to be traveling way more than I am right now so I mean hey I'll figure it out I'll figure it out that's that's next year but um so I wanted to I wanted to still do an episode talking about my favorite cards from Throne of Eldraine that I I, I finally have gone through the set. Um, I had some time today to really just sit down and look at all the cards and really pick out some of the ones that I really like that I'm excited for for about for Standard here. And I guess let's just get on with it, right? Um, you know, just to let everybody know, these are my opinions, uh, you know... Some people may think, oh, why would you even be excited about a card like that? But you know what? I'm, I'm personally excited about it. And I love, love, love the flavor of this set. Now, I have noticed there's a lot of cards in Throne of Eldraine that this definitely feels like a lesser power set compared to the Ravnica set. Because, and I I feel like that's a sort of thing that happens, right? Ixalan didn't feel very powerful compared to Kaladesh, right? And, you know, before that, Kaladesh, it was what, Battle for Zendikar didn't feel as powerful. Uh, It was Battle for Zendikar, right? Right right before Kaladesh, when you think about the yearly rotation? Um, I think so, right? Oh, God, I'm forgetting already. And then, you know... You know, we had Ixalan last year, or no, two years ago, which didn't feel very powerful. Then Guilds of Ravnica came out last year, and that set felt very, very strong. So this set, it feels a little bit weaker. I'm not I'm not going to say it's not going to change. Of course, obviously, it's going to change the metagame, because we're losing so much um, from the past few sets. But it's going to... It, it's I, I'm kind of excited to see some of these cards. There's a lot of good EDH cards for sure, but we're going to get into that into the next episode talking about EDH here. So I guess let's start off with, I'm going to start off with white, go through the colors, and we'll just end it there. And so everybody can hear, you know, some of my favorite cards here. Uh, first one up on the list is Acclaimed Contender, which is two and a white creature, human knight. When a claim contender enters the battlefield, if you control another knight, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a knight, aura, equipment, or legendary artifact card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, and it's a 3-3. So they are pushing knights crazy in this set. And there's just so many cards out there that just really support knights. It almost kind of makes me wish that History of Benalia was in standard... or will would be in standard with this with you know a lot of these night cards here. Uh, but history banalia would just be too too good for it. So as as I said, this card right here, it helps you dig through your deck, helps you find another creature, and if you do go and I'm really curious to see if auras and equipment are gonna be are going to really matter a whole lot in the knight standard deck because you know there's going to be a knight tribal deck in standard uh mean there there was merfolk and now vampires i mean vampires is still going to stick around for the most part there's still a lot of stuff staying with vampires but i'm going to be really curious to see how this card acts in standard with knights and I'm really curious to see if auras and equipments are really going to matter in standard. There's some pretty good auras and equipments out there, but some of them are either kind of meh or feel too slow. But I'm curious about it. I I feel right now, just first guess here, Knights feels like it's a very go-wide type deck. Sort of like Selesnya tokens, but we'll have to wait and see. Here, so acclaim Contender is one of my favorite cards here that I really like. Love the art of it, too. Uh, done by David Galet or G- Gallet. I'm probably uh, butchering it completely. Uh, next card on the list is Charming Prince for one and a white. It is a human noble. When Charming Prince enters the battlefield, choose one. Scry two, you gain three life. Exile another target creature you own. Return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step and it's a 2-2 it's a really nice bear and this is illustrated by Randy Varkas a really good magic artist out there and of course this is a play on Prince Charming but just the name reverse um So this is a really good utility type card, especially in standard. Right off the bat, my favorite mode to choose from is Scry 2, because I want to be able to know what are the next two cards I may draw and and put one on top if it's really good or, you know, put them on bottom if they're both crap. Uh, The other cool one is exiling another target creature, you'll return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. You know, this card, Charming Prince, along with Acclaimed Contender, would work out really well. You play this on turn four. You, you already have Acclaimed Contender out, but you want to dig through your deck somewhere, right? You get Charming Prince out turn four. Boom, Acclaimed Contender comes back in. And when it enters the battlefield, you get to look through the next five cards of your library. Just quick little combo right there with that. And I think this... I don't know if this will be in too much of the human knight deck it's possible it's definitely possible but this is a really good sort of utility card to helping you dig through your deck and also if you have a lot of good bounce effects or or even a lot of enter the battlefield effects this is a good way to bounce your creature and put it back in next on the list is deafening silence for one white enchantment each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell each turn and this was illustrated by Igor Cure. Kyr- Kyriluk. Kiriluk. I'm completely butchering that. Uh, The flavor text says they have forsaken their vows. The Edict of the Circle demands their voices be silent. So why do I like this card? I love playing Control in Magic. Especially in any format. I love playing Control. Deafening Silence with 3-drop Teferi. Teferi Time Reveler. And Rule of Law you've basically locked out your opponent for being able to basically play the game. And this these are the kind of cards that I love doing. This, especially in standard, I could see myself, if I want to be cheeky, do a blue-white control type deck and be cheeky, be like, eh, you can't play more than one spell now. Or more than one non-creature spell. And then get Teferi Time Reveler out. And then, oh, look, I'm going to play Rule of Law now. Now you can only cast one spell. And yeah, I mean, I know deafening silence and rule of law is kind of redundant because rule of law is the better card, but hey, maybe you want to slow your maybe maybe if burn is still a thing in standard, you can slow them down by playing deafening silence. Right now, this kind of seems more like a sideboard card for control, but if I want to be cheeky enough, I might play main board because you know, that's just how I do. Next on the list. And I think that, yeah, this is the last white card on the list. The next one is Worthy Knight. For one and a white, it's a creature-human knight. Whenever you cast a knight spell, create a 1-1 white human-creature token. And it's a 2-2. It's illustrated by J Choi. Uh, every Arden Vale aspirant must step through the flame. Their honor determines whether they burn or shine. So this paired with Hero of Precinct 1 is perfect because this is not only like a young pyromancer effect but it's also you want to clog up the board this is definitely 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 a slot in the knight deck that i have a feeling will most likely be red white because that is you know really strong and fast it's you know you play worthy knight turn two then you play acclaimed contender by turn three boom you've got three creatures on the board now at that point and with, plenty, with knights being very pushed, you know, and then you've got the, the red-white knight that gives all knights plus one, plus one. You're just pumping up your creatures even more. This is definitely a slot in for the knight deck. I, I really like this worthy knight here. Moving on to the blue cards here. Our next card on the list is Brazen Borrower for one double blue. It is a creature fairy rogue, and it's a 3-1 with flash and flying. Brazen Borrower can block only creatures with flying. The other part is the adventure part, which is called Petty Theft. Uh, for one in a blue, you can cast this as an instant. Return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. So this is pretty handy. Now, this would be more of sort of a control mid-range type card, because maybe your opponent has a really pesky permanent card out there that you need to just have them return it to their hand you can't kill it yet but you've got this in hand where you can be like alright well I'm going to return this to your hand I've still got three mana up and okay now I'm going to flash this in and you know try to try to attack you as well so cool I like it all around it's a really good versatile card I'm I'm starting to grow a little bit more um, I wouldn't say accepting a little bit more I guess more accepting of the adventure cards. At first I was kind of like "Eh, adventure doesn't seem that great but as we see pushed cards like Brazen Borrower it seems okay I understand where they're going with here. It's pretty good. And this is also illustrated by Eric Deschamps, Deschamps or Deschamps, I'm guessing. I don't, I'm so sorry, I'm terrible at pronouncing these these names here. So, Brazen Borrower, pretty good card. Uh, definitely going to see play in Standard, and pretty excited to play it myself here. I'm curious to see what kind of decks will come out of this here. Next on the list is not the best card, but definitely a kind of cheeky card that I would definitely play in a definitely, because I'm saying definitely a lot, a mill deck. Didn't say please for one double blue instant. Counter target spell, its controller puts the top three cards of their library into their graveyard. If you're in our home, we expect you to mind your manners. Illustrated by Jason A. Engel. Uh, Really cool card. It's not the best counter spell right now. I would still rather uh, cast oh my gosh, it's the one from Guilds of Ravnica. Uh, the counter target spell surveil one. I'm drawing a complete blank right now. I'd still rather cast that card instead of this. But if I'm going to be playing my mill deck. That I know I will be in standard to try to mill everybody out. This is the go to counter spell I want to have on my deck. Instead of just the the surveil one that I'm just completely drawing a blank on right now. We still have Absorb, so, I mean, if I build a blue-white mill deck, you know, this along with Absorb, I I could live with it. Next on the list is Fey of Wishes for one and a blue. It is a creature fairy wizard with flying. You can pay one and a blue, discard two cards, return Fey of Wishes to its owner's hand. It's a 1-4. Doesn't seem too great, right? I mean, it's an okay card. It's just a 1-4. The part that is really, really, really cool is the adventure part, the granted for three and a blue sorcery adventure. You may choose a non-creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. So what's really cool about this card, if you don't see the little combo here, you can play the sorcery part granted. Get whatever card you need from your sideboard, a non-creature card, You know, reveal it, put it in your hand, blah, blah, blah. So while this is in your graveyard, you can then cast Fey of Wishes onto the battlefield you know, one four, it could be a good little blocking. And then you block it. Oh no, it's gonna die. Pay one in a blue to discard two cards and return it to your hand. Boom, now you can cast granted again to get something else from your sideboard. So this will be really good in sort of a toolbox deck. Sort of something similar that to the Lich's Mastery deck, which oh my gosh, I just realized Lich's Mastery is going out of standard. That makes me sad. Uh I'm really curious to see. I don't know if there's gonna be really too much of a toolbox deck right now, but I be on the lookout for this in the future where if it doesn't see play now i'm hoping it will see play in the in the future when there are some more toolbox cards coming out here but this is this card i really really like here next card is the magic mirror for six triple blue it's a legendary artifact this spell costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery in your graveyard you have no maximum hand size at the beginning of your upkeep, put a knowledge counter on the magic mirror, then draw a card for each knowledge counter on the magic mirror. So, extremely expensive to play in standard. very, very expensive to play. But if you're playing a control deck and you have a lot of draw spells or counter spells, this isn't going to cost too much after a while, right? The is it deck still may be a thing come standard. I mean, we're not losing that much in the is it deck, so... While maybe you want to do an is it mid-range or an is it control, this would be a lot of fun to put in there because, oh, you're just going to keep drawing cards. Yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot that this may see standard play a lot of the times in the upper tier decks. But, you know, for the jank, jankiness in me, it definitely wants to see play. And I love this card. It beautiful art illustrated by Anastasia O... Chin- I am so sorry for uh, mispronouncing a lot of the names. Oh, and I forgot to say that Fae of Wishes was illustrated by Magali Vill- Villanueva. I'm so terrible at saying these names. Um, but yeah, Magic Mirror. Really cool card. Uh, next up are the black cards here. We are first looking at Ayara, first of the Lock- Lockthwain. Lockthwain? Uh, it's triple black. Legendary creature elf noble. Whenever Arya Ayar, Ayara ugh, Some of these names, I want to say Arya, but Ayara, first of Lochtwane, or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Tap to sack another black creature, draw a card. It's a 2-3. Uh morning shifts seamless Morning shifts seamlessly to celebration as she chooses her next suitor. And this is illustrated by Ryan Pankos. Excuse me here. Um, Really neat card. This is perfect for Aristocrats, especially Orzhov Aristocrats, which isn't losing too much of their deck. So if Aristocrats is still a thing, this will be a perfect slot in Aristocrats here, and just an overall really good card, especially if you're doing Orzhov, because you're going to be playing a lot of black creatures in that, so this helps you ping, and... You know, just another card that helps you ping your opponent's life total down and you keep gaining one life. Awesome card. And plus the ability that you can sack another black creature with maybe some afterlife and draw a card. Boom, there you go. Next on the list is Clackbridge Troll for three and double black. It is a creature troll with trample and haste. When Clackbridge Troll enters the battlefield, target opponent creates three zero one white goat creature tokens. At the beginning of combat on your turn, any opponent may sack a creature. If a player does, tapped Clackbridge Troll, you gain three life and you draw a card. And it is an eight eight. An eight eight for five is nothing to laugh at. Illustrated by Svetlana Velinov. So this would be sort of your maybe aggro mid range type card that you'd want to play. Very similar to Indulgent Tormentor. And the fact that this allows you to draw a card, you know, the gain life is good, right? The gaining through life is always good, but the drawing card is what I like even better compared to Indulgent Tormentor, which I think you just tap it and you just put a plus one plus one counter on it. This I'd rather draw cards any day over getting getting a plus one plus one counter. Uh, the only thing I feel like this is lacking, probably without pushing it to mythic, would be flying. Flying trample and haste—that'd be amazing. But trample and haste is still good. You know, I mean, yeah, your 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 opponent may most likely will sac a creature to tap it, but you know, drawing that card is just gonna is. I don't see any downside to this to this uh card here. Yeah, I mean, the downside would be you play it. They get some goat creature tokens then they kill it immediately i mean that that always happens with whatever creature you play but this is has potential of just helping you win in that long game here next on the list is rankle master of pranks for two and double black it's a legendary creature fairy rogue it is a mythic with flying and haste whenever rankle deals combat damage to a player choose any number each player discards a card. Each player loses one life and draws a card. Each player sacrifices a creature. It's a 3 3 illustrated by Dimitri Bermock. Love the art of this. It's, is this supposed to be like Rumpel's or something? That's what I'm guessing. Um, so I like the fact that, you know, both you and your opponent. Can discard a card, you know. You may want to play, you may be playing a graveyard matters type deck where you don't mind discarding, but they discard, oh no, that's gonna hurt them. Or each player loses one life and draws a card. You know, if it helps them get closer down to their life total down to zero, that's not too bad either. But I really like that each player sacks a creature. You know, you could be playing a deck where. You, when you sack a creature it pings them right this could this could maybe slot in with uh with aristocrats as well too because maybe sacking creature on your board isn't too bad because oh this this creature has afterlife one two or three boom I sack it and now I'm gonna get some more tokens out and I don't mind sacking those tokens while having rankle attack again uh really like this uh I think this definitely will see some standard play here. Uh, next on the list is Sir Conrad the Grim for three and double black, legendary creature human knight. Whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than a battlefield or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent. You pay one and a black. Each player puts a top card of their library into their graveyard. It is a five forward illustrated by Anna Steinbauer. So, whenever another creature dies, or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad will deal one damage to each opponent. So, this is going to be another thing where... Th- this could almost be good in mill as well, Till you do a blue-black mill deck. Ooh. But, I mean, th- that that's pushing it a little bit here. So, it's good that... I I really like this to where you can make... This would be good in a discard deck. Okay, I just thought of that here. I was thinking more just knights. I mean, yeah, yeah, it goes perfect in knights. But you're making your opponent discard. Oh, man. 8-Rack could still be a thing, and this could be the, the top of the curve right here. You get at least one of these out, then you get Davriel and all the other discard effects. Boom, 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 just dealing one damage You know love it. Perfect. Yep, this is going an 8 wreck. Now we're on to the red cards. First up on the list is Bone Crusher Giant for 2 and a red. It is a 4-3 giant. Whenever Bone Crusher Giant becomes the target of a spell, Bone Crusher Giant deals 2 damage to that spell's controller. Not every tale ends in glory. The other part is the adventure part with Stomp for 1 and a red. It is an instant. Damage can't be prevented this turn. Stomp deals 2 damage to any target. I really like it. Now, we don't have Lightning Strike anymore. This is sort of a shock on a stick. Uh, We have the the Lightning Strike that I saw. I can't remember the name of it, but it just deals 3 damage to target creature or planeswalker. And if I think if it dies this way, exile it instead. So, we don't have anything that burns to the face too much. But... At least if Mono Red and Burn is Mono Red Agar is still going to be a thing, this is the perfect kind of card to play. Play this on turn two, then play the Bone Crusher Giant on turn three. Uh, you know, paying two for a shock isn't that great, but I wouldn't mind if I'm just trying to, if I don't have a turn two play and I have this in hand instead. So this sort of replaces the Goblin Chain Whirlers of the Mono Red decks. And while Goblin Chain roller would be sorely missed, this will at least be pretty nice because when they inevitably try to spot removal this card here, they're going to take two damage uh, to the face, which is only helping you out even more. Next on the list is Fires of Invention for three and a red. It's an enchantment. You can cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. You may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana oh. costs. Just tell us how many you want and get out of the way, says the flavor text. And it's illustrated by Stanton Fang. Uh, I forgot to mention Bone Crusher Giant was illustrated by Victor Adami M- Minguez. So, this Fires of Invention, this is definitely a... Definitely a type of card I'd probably want to play in mid range or control because I don't. You're basically able to play spells for free, and especially if you're going to go on that longer game plan, this is the perfect kind of card you'd want. Well, I wouldn't say no, 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 no. no. I I go back. I wouldn't want to play this in, in control. I'd want to play this in more mid range than anything because I don't care too much about casting spells. During my opponent's turn, for the most part, if I'm playing mid range, and for this kind of card here, yeah, I can only cast two spells, but if I can play some free cards, I am okay with that. It's not the best card, but I I, I love the flavor of it. It's a it's a fun card for sure. Next on the list is Irene Crag Pyromancer or Iron Crag Pyromancer two in a bl- red. Almost said two in a blue, uh, two in a red human wizard. It's a zero four. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, Iron Craig Pyromancer deals three damage to any target. Fear fire is a sensible instinct. If I were you, I'd be terrified. Uh, illustrated by Jason Rainville. Uh, this card right here not doesn't have the best body. It's a zero four, but. The fact that if you're playing a control deck or like a or card draw matters type deck, when you're drawing your second card, boom, you can lightning strike. You can lightning bolt someone to the face or kill one off one of their creatures. You know, this is just a really handy card to have, especially it's almost like that electrostatic field, right? That I'd want to play that card along with this, have some defenders out and just... Boom, 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 start drawing and casting spells and, you know, just create a whole bunch of damage. This card along with electrostatic field and almost electrostatic pummeler at first and then and then gutter snipe as well. Boom, you've just got a lot of damage going on on the board right now. Next on the list is opportunistic dragon for two and double red it is a dragon that's a flying with four three when this enters the battlefield choose target human or artifact and opponent controls for as long as opportunistic dragon remains on the battlefield gain control of that permanent it loses all abilities and it can't attack or block so you've got a you're up against a pesky knight deck right human knight deck and you know you're playing some sort of aggro or mid-range deck that involves red. You know, you play opportunistic dragon, boom, you take that pesky human away or that pesky artifact away and now it can't bother you anymore as long as you protect opportunistic dragon. Uh, This is along the lines of, see, it it seems like almost every set or most major sets always have a dragon in the 4 or 5 slot that is Pretty decent. Now, this is not a thunder, this is not thunderbreak regent levels of good or even glory bringer levels of good, but it's good enough. And I think if with knights being pushed, this may be the kind of dragon card you want to take and get in there to steal and take away from your opponent. The four three is a little bit lacking, especially that three toughness does make it a little bit tough to want to take. If it was a four four, there'd be an automatic snap, but. It's, uh, it's I think it's good the fact that you can take away from your opponent for that fact, and you get to keep it until opportunistic dragon goes away. And what's nice is you could play two opportunistic dragons. If one of them dies, you still keep those permanents, both those permanents, if I'm reading this here, for as long as opportunistic remains on them, gain control of that permanent. It doesn't specify for as long as this opportunistic dragon remains. That'll be an interesting rules question because if I play opportunistic dragon turn four, gain control of a human knight, and then turn five, I play another opportunistic dragon, gain control of another human knight, and the first one dies... Do they gain Do they gain control back of that first knight, or since I since I still have an opportunistic battle dragon on the battlefield, do I keep the other permanent as well? I might have to look that up and see. Um, interesting, and I'm sure that's going to be a rules question too in pre-release and standard at some point as well. Next on the red list is Torbrain, Thane of Redfell, for one double one for one colorless triple red. It is a legendary creature dwarf noble. It is a 2-4. If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus 2 instead. A dwarf's grudge runs deeper than the mountain's roots. Illustrated by... Oh god, I can't pronounce these names. Gregor... Gregor's Rutkowski? Oh my gosh. Oh, an Opportunistic Dragon was done by Chris Ran. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that name. Rakowski is what I can pronounce. The The first name, Gregors, Grezigors? Sorry, don't know. Oh, I'm a terrible person. So anyways, uh, this card is sort of like the top end curve you'd want to play in mono red aggro. Or just mono red burn because you play a shock and it's going to deal 4 damage. If, as long as you control this. Yeah, the, it, definitely a two to three of maybe in the deck. Definitely minimum two in the deck, but it's going to be one of those cards that I feel it's going to see play if Mono Red is still a thing come rotation. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, rotation has already happened. Um, I am recording this early because I am going on vacation the week that this comes out. So I'm kind of recording this early here. I have no idea what standard is going to be like, so I apologize. The first green card on the list is not the best green card. I only really chose it because it's more flavor than anything, and that's Flaxen Intruder for one green. It's a human berserker. That's a one-two. When this deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice it. When you do, destroy a target artifact or enchantment. And then you can play the welcome home part for five and double green. Sorcery Adventure, create three 2-2 green bear creature tokens. I don't think this is going to see much standard play at all. I really only chose it for flavor reasons because it's, you know, Goldilocks and the three the three bears. Uh, the middle blade was just right, What is the flavor text, and this was illustrated by gabor 6 God, I'm so sorry. I can't pronounce any of the names here. And like I said, it's—I doubt this will see any play in standard because it's the only—the welcome home part's way too expensive, and just the fact that you know, you, this is more a limited card than anything. But it's a—it's a fun card. It's a fun art. I love the—I uh, I love the flavor of it. It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's fun. Right, that's I guess that's the best way I can go about it. It's fun. The next green card here is the Great Henge for 7 and double green. It's a legendary artifact. This spell costs X less to cast where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. You can tap this to add double green. You gain 2 life. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a 1-1 counter on it and draw a card. Now, ramp will still be a thing in Standard especially like bant ramp or even simic ramp it's not the best deck for sure but this could be a one to two of in that ramp deck because you need to gain some life you know adding more mana to your mana pool is always preferable and plus the fact that you could start playing you know little creatures and or or not even just little creatures just big creatures and they enter within another one one counter on it and boom you draw a card you're drawing through your deck Love this card so much. It's such a good card and I love the art of it. It was illustrated by Adam Pequet, and just overall good card and oozing, oozing with awesome art. Next on the green card list is Once Upon a Time for one in a green instant. If this spell is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, right away, extremely good card. I mean, you can cast this for free on your first turn. And you look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them put it into your hand. You know, this is, I can see this definitely being a four of and a lot of mid-range to just a lot of mid-range decks, really, because it's helping you dig through your hand. Maybe maybe you have your opening hand, you only have two lands and maybe two copies of Once Upon a Time, right? I would keep that hand because, okay, turn one, I play a land, boom, ca- cast Once Upon a Time for free, help me dig through some more lands or maybe find creatures that I want, right? And then turn two, boom, you know, I'll pay the two for it, and oh, I dig, I dig through my deck again. So you're essentially, if you're on first... If you're playing first, you cast that, you're looking through, you're essentially looking at the top eleven cards of your deck because you're gonna draw one on your next turn. That that is just gonna help you out so much in the long run. Because maybe, maybe you shuffled really bad and managed to put away a lot of bad cards on the bottom that were just not gonna help you. Yes, we've all kept those really bad hands before because we're like, it might work if I draw an extra land, and this can help you keep those bad hands that we all like to do. Um. Anyways, so Once Upon a Time, awesome card. Uh, illustrated by Matt Stewart. Next is Questing Beast for 2 and Double Green. It is a legendary creature beast with Vigilance, Death Touch, and Haste. Needs more keywords there. Add some Rampage. Why not? And Forest Walk. Why not? It's Mythic. Forget about it. Uh, Questing Beast can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. Whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. Oh, it deals. Okay, I I thought I read it. it says instead deals that much. Okay, no, never mind. So, welcome to the pushed creature of the set, Questing Beast. Not only has haste, but vigilance and death touch. It's an insane card. It is so pushed. You know, you're playing up against some little, you know, token deck. Oh, nope. Questing Beast is just going to stomp over your little 1-1s and 2-2 tokens and knights and be like, nope, you can't block me. And combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. That is amazing. Th- th- this card is going to see so much play. This was illustrated by Igor Kirluk. Um... This is going to be a four of and a lot of decks here. For sure. I mean, yeah, th- th- this is so pushed. It's such a good card. It's such a push card here. I I don't know what more to say about it. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, next on the list is Doom Foretold. We're in the multicolors now. For two and a white and black, it's an enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a non-land, non-token pier permanent if that player can't they discard a card they they lose two life you draw a card you gain two life you create a 2-2 white knight creature token of vigilance then you sacrifice doom foretold in the end death usually has its way and it was illustrated by danielle jungren Le jungren maybe i don't know so let's go over that again because it's a lot of words there At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player has to sacrifice a non-land, non-token permanent. Awesome. So, they're going to be sacking, you know, creatures or some other artifacts or maybe their own enchantments right there. If they can't, they have to discard a card, they lose two life, you draw a card, you gain two life, and you create a 2-2 white knight token with Vigilance. Then you have to sack Doom Foretold it's not the worst thing in the world the the best thing I see about this card here is it's not legendary so you can have more than one out at a time so what if they're what if they're a go wide strategy with not a lot of tokens or anything like that you play doom foretold turn four and turn five is this this is definitely a go-to control card here and I love it I love it I love it and it's you make them sack all this stuff and then when they can't You know, you essentially just draw a card and create a token. I'm okay with that. And then you sack it. Well, there's ways to get that card back as well, too. You know, I I'm surprised it's only like 50 cents here. I mean, as of right now, it's only 50 cents as of this recording. I mean, it's not the best enchantment, but it is an extremely fun enchantment. And I love it next on the list. uh, We're almost done here. We've only got two cards left, uh, this card and then the last one. Uh, Next on the list is Outlaw's Merriment for one red, for one and a red, and double white enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one at random. Create a red and white creature token with these characteristics, or with those characteristics. You can create a 3-1 human warrior with trample and haste, create a 2-1 human cleric with lifelink and haste, create a 1-2 human rogue with haste, and when this creature enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to any target. So does that mean this goes in terms and hands of the sword of Dungeons and Dragons from Unstable? Hold on, let me look up that card right now because oh, equipped creature has plus two, plus two, and has protection from rogues and from clerics. Okay, okay. <laughs> never mind. I thought it gave you something extra with rogues and clerics. So and it's I, I never mind here. Uh, so outlaw's merriment, it's not legendary again. This is gonna be ridiculous to play against with um, human knights or just Boros agro. You know, you play this turn four, then turn five, you play another one. You, you can just keep creating more and more three ones or two ones or whatever the heck, w- whatever you feel like making. Th- this is this is just stupid, and I don't mean stupid as like bad. It's just oh my god, this is this is gonna be ridiculous. I almost feel like it should have been a legendary enchantment, but since it's not, man, that's really good. This was illustrated by Suzanne Helmig, or Helmig, or Hel- Helmai? I don't, I don't know. So this is definitely a sort of, uh, like, Robin Hood. This is re- this is relating to Robin Hood. The 3-1 warrior, human warrior was that Little John. 2-1 human cleric was that supposed to be Maid Marian. 1-2 human rogue supposed to be Robin Hood, I guess. But, yeah, it's such a ridiculous card in here. I I love it. The last card, but certainly not least, it is the only land of the set that I really, really like. The other rare lands... I don't know. Right now I'm not fan, a fan of the rare land cycle. I'll have to I'm kind of reserving my judgment for them to see how they're gonna be in standard and how useful they're gonna be in standard. So I'll have to wait and see. So the only land that I'm gonna talk about here, that's probably the land that anyone talks about, is Fabled Passage. You can sack this. Search your library for basic land card, put in the battlefield, tap, then shelf your library. Then if you control four, four or more lands, untap that land. From here, the path to anywhere may be found, and it's illustrated by Howard Lyon. So art is gorgeous, by the way. Friggin' love the art. I, I I'm always a big fan of when it's a sort of forest art and you know there's a little river going through it. It I I, I love it. I've always a fan of like the fantasy forest looking art. So, this is essentially Evolving Wilds, but a an Evolving Wilds that allows you to get your basic land and put it on tap. This will be very handy to have in a two to three color deck. This is this is going to be your mana fixing. The, evolving Wilds isn't played too much in most decks because the mana as of right now as of this recording a few days before rotation uh is ridiculous. You know, you got all 10 check lands and you got all 10 shock lands you don't really need evolving wilds at that point because there's just so much good mana we're losing all the check lands at this point and now we're going to just have the shock lands so we're going to need some mana fixing at that point and this is your answer for helping you mana fix you can play four of these maybe even four of evolving wilds or two of these and two evolving wilds because maybe you don't you can't afford all these and boom there you go just amazing card i i love it i think it's good at first i was kind of like on the surface this is kind of a boring card but the more i think about it the more that this is going to help push those especially three color decks because we're losing a lot of good mana at this point so this is going to be the answer to helping us get our mana fixing for those three color decks so there you have it we're done we're done going over my favorite throne of eldraine cards for standard and what do you all think? You know, let me know in the comments below or shoot me an email. Um, you know, I do have to say I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show that this podcast is now officially on Spotify. Yes, it's. I've been trying to get on Spotify forever. I didn't realize earlier this year they change the way you can add podcasts to Spotify. You could just basically import it on your own because before you used to have to apply for your podcast to be on Spotify. It wasn't just an instant thing. So now that they seem to have loosened up the rules, I finally have this podcast on Spotify. I know I'm using Spotify more more and more and if you are a spotify fanatic like i'm slowly becoming check out this podcast on spotify if you don't already listen to it on itunes google play stitcher and TuneIn and radio uh, magic with zuby can also be found on facebook.com slash magic with on twitter at magic on instagram at magic underscore with underscore zuby and you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com uh, be sure to sh- check out the show's patreon or Patreon at patreon.com slash magic with I'm, I really need to start pushing that more. It's I'm not doing it enough. I know I am. Um, and then I think that's about it. I think that about does it. So yeah, thank you all for listening and have a great night.